Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today we're joined by someone real special all the way from Australia and her name is Amanda. How are you, Amanda? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you getting on? Very good, very good. I'm sure that people would understand quickly that you're from Australia, so I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going to tell them. <laughs> you know, it's something in the voice, I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> and how are things there today? A lot of uh, a lot of differences between the states and Australia. How is life there today? Generally, speaking? it's actually it. Oh, look, it's it's not too bad. I I actually live in Melbourne, so we've been through the ring of the last couple of years. Um, certainly harder than a lot of the rest of the country. But today is beautiful blue sky and sunshine and a perfect spring day because, of course, you guys are heading into autumn, but we're in the other side of the world. So, yeah, so we've got beautiful daffodils blooming and lots of sunshine and blue sky. So, you know, but we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds great. As long as you don't get busted for posting something on social media, you'll be okay. Exactly, right? <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm sure over there it's not quite as funny because it's happening, but we've seen the news stories of some interesting things that have happened over there recently. Oh, yeah. It, Crazy. It's an, uh, it is, it is, look, it, I think it's been a really interesting time to, well, to be alive for a start, but also um, as somebody who adores 
understanding human behavior on a deep level and who loves looking at the metaphysical aspect, which is the beyond the physical stuff that goes on and listening to the language and the way people use language. It has been just the most fascinating study in so many ways. That's cool. So let's back up a little yeah. bit. Uh, were yeah. you born, born there in Australia? I was. I was born in Perth, Western Australia, and then I grew up in um, Adelaide, which is in South Australia, and then I moved to the UK for 11 years, and now I live in Melbourne, Victoria, which is on the eastern or southeastern coast of Australia. Very cool. And do you have both parents? Bit of a gypsy. Oh, gypsy. Um, Bit of a gypsy. Both parents still alive? They are, and they still live in Adelaide. Together? So I'm very, very... Yes, still together, yeah. 50 years this year, so wow. it is a phenomenal effort. Yeah, I was over there in um, July celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, so very blessed. That's amazing. What a great thing. Congratulations. Um, imagine putting up with someone for 50 years. <laughs> oh, God, I, I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it sure sounds like a long time, but we all think it's really cool, you know, when we're looking at it from a distance, you know. Um, Hell yeah. Don't you think that's something in the generation, though? Like, there's something lost after, I think, your parents' generation and my grandparents' generation. Uh, yeah. There's something different, you know? And I don't know if we'll ever see those 50, 60 years marriages like we used to. And I hope so. You know, I really do. I think I think it's certainly a, um, a, a less common thing these days. I, I actually have one couple who are my age who, who have been together since they were teenagers. They got together at 15 and they're still together now, so that's 30 years together, which is amazing. Awesome. Um, yeah, I love, I love their little love story. It's fantastic. Not their little love story, their long love story. And my grandparents were married for um, 70 years. They made it to their 70th wedding anniversary. Really? So, yeah, oh. yeah. That's so cool. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> did they did they share logger, uh, loggers together on the porch in their old age? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my grandma would have a brandy each night, and my grandpa would have a scotch, and they'd have a glass of red or so. And yes, you know, beautiful. Yeah, it, it's such an honor to watch that. Um, you know, things aren't easy, as you know, with being human and life. Um, and to see, I guess, couples negotiate and manage that for so long um, through the through the rough patches and you know and through the good times is is a pretty phenomenal thing to witness and observe and and it's a huge blessing. Absolutely. Do you share this with siblings or are you an only child? I do have a sister. Yes. Um, I don't really speak to her a huge amount anymore, um, but. You know, I, I hope one day that will change. Yeah, me too. It's um, something that can be worked out. I have estrangement in my family too. I was just wondering, is there hope for rebuilding and restoring relationships and family when people get lost, do you think? I think there's always hope. I, I am never one to, uh, to not have that hope. I, I think it's a real cornerstone of life to, to believe that things can always be better. Yeah, and how do your parents feel about it? Uh, it is an elephant in the room. Mm. And holidays yeah, so and whatnot. We, 
Uh, well, I think having the distance over in Melbourne, you know, it's the distance um, and it makes it slightly easier to not acknowledge what's, what's going on. Um, and also, you know, when we are in the room together, we're all speaking to the room. So it's not all that noticeable, um, but it probably is because it's, you know, it's that elephant that's standing in the corner. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just on a serious note, and uh, perhaps your sister will hear this, do you love your sister? Oh, of course, absolutely, and I miss her every day. And actually, um, when I said goodbye to her, at, I only spent 24 hours in Adelaide um, for my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. As I said goodbye to her, I just said, I love you and I miss you. Yeah, well, I hope that you can feel that. That's deep, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, she did at the time as well. And all she said to me was, you know, we just need a bit more time. So, you know... There is, there's always hope. There is always hope. And you know what? There's always bits that I can look at that I can improve. And there's always bits that, you know, maybe she'll look at and she might improve. Um, and also neither of us can change the other and neither of us can have expectations about how the other will behave. And so there also needs to be healthy boundaries and safety there. Cool. Cool. I hope uh, you find your way to restoring that. That would be uh, really neat to hear about how you pulled that off. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it takes effort, you know, it's like you really have to humble yourself, I think, in a situation when there's conflict. I, I've always been a bit of a pacifist, I don't like violence, I hate it, and I like yeah. watching, I love watching it on YouTube, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I really don't want to go out and get in a fight or anything, it's just like not my thing. Um, but people tend to have conflict, you know, for the silliest reasons, when there's so much more to be thankful for and grateful for, it's like, why are you fighting, you know? Um, so I think about it like that sometimes, but people get mm. caught up, you know, we get caught up in our trip, right? Um, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, and uh, speaking of which, you sound like a really spiritual person. I'm guessing that that is the case. You've mentioned metaphysics. Uh, not many people talk yeah. about that. So you're living, <laughs> living in a world that does encompass the surrounding forces and the wonderment of the universe and the unknown and, you know, the ability to attract and manifest and all those kind of things are included in metaphysical type thinking, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I've I've lived, eat, breathed, worked it for, I guess, about the last 11 years. Um, yeah, 11 years ago, I was 33 when I first looked at it. Um, interesting, that's a master number as well. That just came into my head because I'm 44 now. Um, and so looking at that, you know, I really started to question what was going on, why I was living the life I was, why I was, you know, miserable in a, in a paper perfect kind of life, you know, um, why I was getting so unwell. And it just, I think I found so many answers in the questions I was asking. Mm -hmm. Actually, I probably cool. didn't find many answers. I think I found more questions in <laughs> the questions I was asking. And it just led me to ask more questions. And, you know, in that has been a lot of self-awareness and a lot of healing and a lot of um, understanding the connection between us and the universe a hell of a lot more and the yeah. magic and mystery that is still in life. Yeah, let's let's back up a little further mm. even. Um, when do you remember first noticing that you had spiritual awareness as a child? Oh, God, I used to love church. I know um, 
That then became traumatic, but I used to love church. There was something about the peace when you walked in and having everybody singing together and feeling that heart connection. Um, And that was from a very early age. I can't even remember how early. I think it was kind of always in me. We were all, we were certainly, uh, you know, in church every Sunday. Um, And there, there was always just this sense of peacefulness. And my mum actually always says, as a baby, I was a very, very peaceful baby. Um, I think in my teen years, she hoped I'd go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> and she always did tell me it would come back one day. And so I guess I always held on to that a little bit. Um, and I have. I think I've found a lot of that inner peace that, that seemed elusive for so long. Mm-hmm. And throughout your life growing up, uh, what kind of person were you compared to who you are now? Um, as a you know, as a child, it was you know a little bit quieter, um, peaceful. I've always been one who's been on the edge of groups, not in the middle of groups. Um, so you know, I was I was close enough to the centre to get invited to things, but not so close that I was you know the hub of the wheel. Um, <laughs> And, you know, through my teenage years, I went through a bit of bullying and a few other, you know, kind of traumatic events and became quite reactive, became quite um, uh, explosive at times. I suppressed a lot um, and I was so busy trying to look after and please everybody to keep life on an even keel that um, I never truly expressed or found who I was because I was living everybody else's life. I was living to all the tick boxes that I thought I needed to live to to keep everybody else happy. Wow, that's interesting. And was that a product of your environment or your upbringing, do you think? Oh, both, both. There was always high expectations. Um, of our behavior as children, of our academic ability, of our, um, uh, the parameters in which we moved and worked and lived. Um, I think it was also the societal expectation, there's the religious expectation. So it came from a lot of different places. Hmm. Interesting. And um, as you grew up, um, you know, uh, I'm assuming that your sister and you were estranged like recently or was it a long long time ago like how long has it been since you guys were close because I'm assuming you grew up together right we were very very close we were she was my best friend for such a long time um you know I absolutely adored her as my big sister I and I think perhaps part of the problem was I pretty much did worship her um and you know I just thought she had all the answers and she was you know, she was. <laughs> yeah. I, I sort of laugh about it now because she was always given the labels of the smart one, the funny one, the pretty one, the athletic one, the coordinated one. The and so, as a result, I gave myself the opposite labels. I was the, you know, the dumb, stupid one who, you know, was into the humanities subjects, which were, you know, less important than the maths and sciences. But I had chosen that route to be less because I knew I couldn't compete with my sister when it came to academia. Um, and so it was, just, it was just interesting. And I think um, we really, uh, I mean, I actually remember the day that 
I realised that I needed distance was I actually thought when I caught up with her that we were going to be healing our relationship and that we were going to be back to where we were before. Um, and that just wasn't quite the case and that's okay. You know, we both did our own. It's the path we need to be walking right now. Cool. And there is always hope. <laughs> that's cool. That's good. I'm glad that you have an open mind towards that. It's sometimes really hard, uh, but I love it. That's good inspiration for, you know, even my own issues of thinking like, okay, well, that's nice, you know, but it's a better way to look at it than focusing on the negative, that's for sure. <laughs> So Everything happens for a reason. Oh, yes, exactly. And speaking of which, um, what led you to be where you are now? Like uh, your life and the changes, uh, going to school and all that. What happened to lead you to the place where you are now? And then we want to get into some things related to your subject area soon. Because I definitely yeah. have some neat questions for you that I'd love to talk about. Uh, so what, yeah, absolutely. What, tell me a little bit about your path getting to be where you are. Well, moving to the UK was a bit of running away from Australia. Um, you know, I've been through a breakup with the man that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with and, you know, the good old, that old chestnut. Um, and so my sister had started traveling, so I actually went to go travel with her for a bit um, and ended up meeting an Englishman and getting married and having two children. And so my two-year working holiday visa became 11 years over there. Um, I always joke that I left Australia with a, you know, a suit bag and a backpack and I came back with a 40-foot container, two kids and a husband. So... <laughs> That's yeah, cool. it, was a, it was a definite change. Um, and then when we moved back to, we had an opportunity to move back to Australia when my um, ex-husband was made redundant from his role. Um, they were shutting the company down and, and he was he was getting a payout. And I said, well, if we don't move now, we're never going to get the chance to. And we moved back to Australia. And I kind of hoped that that would be the catalyst for us to heal our relationship because it was already very toxic. Um, and I'd really, really hoped that that would be what we needed um, to be able to heal. But all it did was really um, create more trauma for him because he was away from um, his family and he had to step up and be a father. Um, whereas before he was, it, it was all on me because he had his own life in the UK and he had his, you know, big important job and, you know, he, he didn't need to support the family because I did all of that. Um, whereas when we moved out to Australia, it was, it was the four of us as the support network and, and it, it, without his family and without, you know, all of the things that he knew, it just became more and more toxic and unbearable. Um, and I got very sick as a result. Um, oh. that the emotional and psychological abuse gets, gets a lot. Um, and my body started to break down, so I ended up with chronic fatigue. Um, and I had that, um, realistically, it started around 2013 in its, in its um, I guess, height. And I was needing three hours of nap in the afternoon, and I was just not coping. I wasn't getting through the day. Um, and so that was really what started me on this journey, because the, the doctors I was seeing, the, the Western doctors, we're just trying to get me on antidepressants and I was like well I guess I'm kind of depressed but it doesn't feel like a depression issue you know like it really didn't feel yeah. like that's the answer and there was just something deep in my bones that that knew that wasn't the answer 
And so I started reaching out to, to different modalities um, and I saw a naturopath and a chiropractor and all of these different people and um, we went on a family holiday in the March of 2015 I think it was and we had quite a traumatic um, event. Uh, my ex-husband decided to tell me everything that was wrong with me for about four hours and you know wow. I didn't get a, a word in. Um, so I, I just came back an absolute shell of a human being. I sort of felt like I couldn't do anything right, so it was better for me just to check out rather than to, you know, to, to be such a burden on my family and on him and on everybody. And I honestly felt that I was broken, that there was something fundamentally wrong with me and that I desperately needed to be fixed because I was so, such a, a horrible human being. Mm. And And I really was questioning what the hell I was even doing alive because wow. if I was that bad um, then then perhaps I didn't deserve that. Um, so I went to my doctor and I got a mental health care plan and I started seeing a psychologist um, mm -hmm. but the psychology um, receptionist actually said to me you know I can't get you in to her for about four to six weeks and then <laughs> I was doing a mindfulness I know <laughs> I was doing a mindfulness course with her, which started about eight weeks after that. And she said, look, you know, what, what support have you got? You know, you're, you're holding up your daughter, your son and your husband. Who's got your back? And that was it. I crumbled. I just burst into tears because I knew I was holding it all up. And if I fell and cracked, which I'd already fallen apart, the whole lot was already crashing down. But I just... I had that image at the time that if I fell, everything would fall apart. Um, and so anyway, she said, oh, we've got a kinesiologist on staff. Would you, what do you think about seeing them? And I'm like, I have no idea what that is, but if it will even help me a tiny bit, let me go check it out. And so I went to go and see her and it just completely changed my life. It, it literally from that first session, I started making changes. I started to understand myself at a deeper level. I started to see the patterns of behavior that got me to where I was, um, as well as the external influences that, that directed my path. Um, and it was just eye-opening and fascinating. And it really, really introduced me deeply to the world that I'd sort of been skirting around for, for the prior few years. Um, and it's been a phenomenal journey ever since. Wow, what is kinesiology? <laughs> so kinesiology in Australia and other parts of the world can be quite different from what it is in the, in the US. Ah. We do talk about movement, we do talk about the muscle movement and, and the art of movement, which is what kinesiology is. But the, the bigger focus for kinesiology, the way I do it, is that we look at the way energy is moving through the body and the way the vibrational frequencies are working through the body. And we're looking to realign all of that energetic balance in the body on physical, mental and emotional levels um, to get a person into a place of health, vitality, wellness, abundance because our bodies know what they need to do. It's just that we're so used to shouting over them and looking outside of ourselves for answers that we don't hear and understand what our body's trying to tell us. So as a kinesiologist, I guess I see myself as a facilitator or a translator between your body and yourself 
to get you both on the same page and, and talking to one another in a much wow. more loving and caring way. That's cool. Um, is iridology um, the study of like eyeballs part of that? Yeah. Okay. We do have it. We do have a, a tiny bit of what I learn. We've we've sort of basically go over what stresses can be held in those different areas of the eyes. We don't go into it as, as deep as you can. Yeah. No, I heard that you can actually identify diseases by looking into the mm. eyeballs and things like that. Is that right? You can. Um, we as as kinesiologists, we are not allowed to diagnose or treat. We are just allowed to rebalance energy systems. I see, and does legal kind of... legal requirement there. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And just so you know, yeah, she doesn't do it even if you pay her extra. <laughs> Hell no. Hell yeah. no. We we we. It is purely about the energetics. So, if I have a concern about you know anything that is needing you know I guess a greater diagnosis <clears throat> or something like that, I will always refer on. Um, you know, often to a naturopath or somebody still in the. Um, uh, you know, in the natural therapy, alternative therapy space, but there have been a lot of times I've passed, you know, clients on to psychologists and told them to go to their GPs to, you know, to sort these issues out because it is part of their overall holistic health. And ideally, it would be lovely if we were able to work with the alternative complementary and natural therapies alongside the Western therapies because I think it would put the client at the center and get them the best results that they could possibly ever expect. Um, but there's too much power struggle involved. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, especially with modern medicine and pills, and they want you to take pills and bill the insurance company. I think it's really what they want. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's so crazy. Um, you know, you made me think of a story. Do you mind if I share a short story? No, please. please. All right. So here's a cool one. Put this in your metaphysical memory bucket. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna like this. Um, so my father was. My late father is a really great guy, and um, although he was, you know, a beatnik in the 50s and 60s, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, have you ever heard of Jack Kerouac? Ever no, I have of? not. Okay, well, it's in the U.S. Um, there's a famous book that talks about this guy named Jack Kerouac, and he basically is like a traveler, and he goes and hitchhikes, and, you know, he's kind of a wanderer or whatever. But my dad was kind of like that, but he had a car and he had a career. <laughs> but he started, yeah. his, he started his life as a uh, jazz musician. He used to play with some really, really heavy hitters in the business. And the Pocono Mountains, I guess, was the place in near New York, I think, somewhere. Um, but anyway, so like he was um, a really different guy, but he had a gift with music. That was like, uh, you and I speak words, like he could make music and write it down, he could play it the same way that you and I speak, he could do it with that type of eloquence, with a piano or a horn, it was magical and I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to spend some time with him in my uh, pre-adult and adult life, but um, anyway, so long story short, you know, he came along with a lot of stories, you know, remember he disappeared when I was 18 months and he came back into my life when I was 11. Um, so after the time I was 11, I started to learn about my father more. And one of the things that I learned was that apparently before I was born, in the year 1970, I was born in 1971, uh, my father, uh, still at the time, and all through his life, he smoked two or three packs of cigarettes a day. And uh, mm -hmm. did his fair share of drinking and all that. Hmm. So he... Um, hmm. 
Um, basically, before I was born, he was diagnosed with a lung tumor, and the lung tumor was really big, and it was clearly visible on an x-ray, and mm -hmm. they found out about it, and they're like, hey, you know, this is a big deal, we have to operate, and blah, 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 and they brought him into the hospital, and, you know, I heard this story from three different people in my family, so I know it's true, like, if my grandmother mm -hmm. signs off on it, you know it's true, like, okay, you yeah. got to check sometimes, but it's okay, you know. And so, like, my father, um, being the person that doesn't like doctors, he never did. And uh, so the story goes that the night before, they, you know, prepped him and x-rayed him and whatnot and did everything. And then the morning of the surgery, they came in to get him. And uh, he told them, no, no, you're not taking me in there. And there's no reason to do it now. And they're like, why, you know? And, uh, I'm just not going, and uh, there's no need to anyway because the tumor's gone. And they laughed, you know, and thought it was pretty funny and everything, and he, he was very insistent and told them basically he wouldn't go unless they took another x-ray. If it was there, he'd be more than happy to get wheeled in there and go into the knife, but if it wasn't there, he's leaving. You know, he didn't want to be there in the first place. And yeah. so, yeah, and so sure enough, they did an x-ray, and then one, two, three, ten, fifteen doctors all gathered around this x-ray. And they're looking at yesterday and today. And it's like yesterday it was there and today it was gone. And a no I joke. Love it. Yeah, totally cool. And so my dad put on his clothes, called my house, and I guess my uh, grandmother answered. That's part of the reason the story sticks out. Uh, and she said that she thought she was talking to him beyond the dead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's in 1970, you know, it's just crazy, you know, different thoughts back then. But um, anyway, that was really amazing. And, you know, I learned through living with my father for a few years and having exposure to him. Thank God, because he taught me about metaphysics and he, mm. mani he manifested things like and he showed me and demonstrated how it worked and and helped me to understand how to align my thinking with the future instead of the past and to see things as they are completed as opposed to seeing just the obstacles in your way, right? Like, I mean, that's part of the yeah. hang-up that we all have. But anyway, so like, that was to me like one of the most amazing accounts of, you know, spiritual power in terms of healing. And, and I'll be really honest, I'm 50 years old and I thank God a lot for my health because I'm yeah. pretty, pretty sure without some kind of intervention, I would have been dead a long time ago. And, <laughs> it, you know, no joke. And I mean, it's not that I don't take care of myself, but it's just that, you know, there's a lot of chances. You know, I've almost died a couple of times. I've never had any major issues, no broken bones, but like there was a couple of times where it got a little hairy. Um, but the reality is I think that, you know, my spiritual existence somehow keeps me physically healthy. And mm. I don't, you know, so I don't tell other people this, I'm only telling you, but like, I really <laughs> feel protected, you know, and my dad used to talk about white light and like, son, don't worry, I'm wrapping you in white light, he'd say. And, you have nothing to worry about. You're going to go and come back safe and everything's going to be just fine. Sure enough, yeah. every time. And then the next thing you know, we need something and it'd be like, okay, we need something. We're going to make it happen and here's how it's going to happen. And sure enough, there it was. And 
you know, everything from like circumstances to people to a car that I needed once. Like, I mean, just crazy stuff. You wouldn't even think. And it's like, he's sitting back just casual and it's like, wow, this is really interesting. And I want to get back to you because I don't want to steal your thunder and I'm getting off track. No, I love it. Um, I, I want to identify with you though as well, you know, because it's kind of cool to share mm -hmm. with somebody that can recognize this for a change. But um, the thing that he, you know, there were a couple, there were two things that he taught me, and I want to get back to your stuff. But uh, one was essence and degree. Those, those are the two words. He goes, son, you need to learn about the difference between essence and degree. And so that was like the first thing, and very challenging for my young mind to wrap around. And then the other thing he taught me was something called effortless effort. And that was very mm -hmm. poignant in the spiritual realm of, you know, perpetuating, you know, manifestation instead of a sense of lack. And so those two things, just even as a younger person, have always stuck with me. And, you know, for me, I try to look towards the metaphysical for everything. Um, you know, I might call it God, but in my mind, it's all the same. It's, is that yeah. your experience? Does it all live in the same box? Or is I'm not box. Does it all live in the same realm, let's say? Well, I absolutely think so, because I believe everything's connected. Um, and, you know, when we when we look for how things are connected, we do feel that sense, greater sense of belonging and, and togetherness. You know, it was it was probably the, the thing I've struggled with most over the last, you know, couple of years is the division and divisiveness that's gone on because yeah. people are just doubling down with their opinions whichever side they fall on and I'm like you know what there's this huge open expanse in the middle here where we could have some beautifully nuanced conversations mm -hmm. but instead of that people were you know doubling down in their in their corners and dividing and separating and we're right you're wrong type attitude and 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 I found it really challenging because I like the idea of being connected and you and I might have different opinions on things. It doesn't mean we have to hate each other and, and you know, up arms against each other. It's But there is greater healing if we can come together on the agreeances that we have mm -hmm. rather than, you know, separate and divide ourselves because of our differences. Couldn't agree more. And it's one of the things I like to explore in this, uh, podcast is uh, how we really share more in common than we think and mm. you know our differences don't really represent much it's just a shame that people get so focused on them and speaking of which you know in my opinion it's an emotional issue really um, it's not a spiritual issue maybe I'm wrong but I think it's an emotional issue where people battle each other in that way do you agree or do you think it's deeper than that on a spiritual level I would actually say it's a trauma-based response for almost everybody. It's unresolved trauma, is what I would say. When you when you have to be right, there is trauma involved, is the way that I would see that. So yes, it does come out in that emotional um, in that emotional outburst type way. But I would see most people who are that hell bent on being right and winning over somebody else because. On a spiritual level, we're all equal. There is no one higher or lower. There is no, you know, we can learn from the tiniest of babies by observing if we want to, and we can learn from, you know, pretty much every other person we come across, no matter their age. We can connect with anyone at any age, and that's the true spirit. 
is understanding our similarities and understanding that our differences are actually the human part of us and a lot of our similarities are the human part of us too but there is something deeper if we care to go there um, and that is I guess where I go to with it I see some of those reactions and what I see is a lot of wounded children a lot of suppressed repressed emotions and a lot of shame triggers now, are you talking about like Sigmund Freud's theory that uh, if the child wasn't allowed to play with his allowed to play with his poop enough when he was a baby that he ends up being weird like that kind of thing or is it more like a lack of love or like upbringing like where does it all tie in to play I wouldn't go down the Sigmund Freud um, thing. No. I think I think a lot of psychologists. I I sometimes worry about some of the experiments they do um, to see how much they can traumatize people. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Quite. quite. They, but, maybe um, secretly, it's all just a big joke to them. <laughs> oh God, who knows? But I hope. I hope not. Uh, yeah, my psychologist oh, has yeah. been good, but yeah, I get you. Oh look, I love psychologists. Don't get me wrong. I think there are some amazing ones, but I look at some of the psychology experiments that have been done, and it, it just feels cruel sometimes to see how far you can push the human brain. But um, I think, you know, in terms of trauma, from a very basic perspective, anything that you process as less than fully nurturing and nourishing to yourself can be stored in your body as a trauma. And so traumas don't have to be those big, massive, you know, accidents or abuses or injuries. It can be those small things from when we are children, those drips of criticism in a bucket where we suppress our true self to squish ourselves into a socially acceptable box. It can be, you know, feeling ashamed of certain behaviours because we've been, you know, hauled over the coals for them or, or chastised for them. It can be um, a lot of different things, the shame and the guilt that sometimes comes hand in hand with, with different, you know, upbringings, whether they be religious upbringings or whether they be, you know, bits of society. Some of the, the behaviours we're shamed and embarrassed for could, could um, can create trauma. Real quick question, could it be as simple mm. as getting rejected one time or something like that? Hell yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Because let's face it, we're not just rejected on one on one time. And as and as infants and children, we are egoic because we come in this world as part of God's source, as part of everything. And when we come in, we have to realize that we are not everyone else, that we are an individual. And so we go, we make everything about us. So if our parents are having a bad day and they scream and shout at us, we make that that we are bad children. Hmm. And it may be that they're, they're telling us that we're bad kids or whatever, but they're not intending for the most part. I would say that most people do not intend to hurt anybody else. But with their own traumas, with their own, you know, conditionings, with their own views on, you know, and perceptions about the world around them, you know, if they're screaming that a child's a bad child, it's usually their own inner child that is making that as well. So it, it does get very messy and complicated, but we need to understand that we're individuals and then, you know, I guess we end up doing the work to <laughs> come much more back to oneness before we, <laughs> we pop our clogs and leave. Yeah, let's let's take a moment and speak to the people yeah. who struggle with this. Um, 
you know, let's say that people get angry over politics. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't need to talk about politics, but you know, politics is a really touchy subject these days, especially yeah. more than more than anything, yeah. right? crazy how it yeah. got out of hand it's totally ridiculous <laughs> oh yeah and, and to be honest like i know that i represent one point of view another person represents a different point mm -hmm. of view and i have perfect respect for that point of view i don't really care that it's different even if it's totally wrong in my opinion i still respect yeah. their right to believe that and i think that there's a healthy attitude in that for me at least i feel mm. a sense of peace approaching people like that you know but other people, yeah. um, like for example, um, I have a neighbor actually, he'll never hear this so I can talk about <laughs> it, uh, he'll never hear it. Um, his wife might, but he'll never hear it. Um, but he got like that and uh, when Trump came to town and started mm -hmm. you know, doing his president thing, he got really crazy when he found out that I liked him and just thought that he was a neat guy because he was different. And, uh, yep. you know, it ruined our relationship completely. And mm. I mean, this, this is a guy where, you know, we were so close that like when his dog died, like the, the really old dog that's been with his family forever, he came and got me to go bury it in the desert. And that's what we did. Yeah. We buried his dog in the desert. I mean, that's man bonding shit that you just mm. can't, you, you can't buy that. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, I thought for sure we'd be friends for the rest of our lives at that point. And, you know, it yeah. was great, but man, it was like, there was no way to ever talk with him without that coming up, and it was because of his anger and sense of, yeah. you know, having to be right. I don't really understand that personally. I know it's an ego-driven thing, but just how do you speak to somebody to quell their heart and help them to turn down the volume on whatever that is that makes them so angry? When it comes to that subject especially, because if we could just wipe that out in a portion of the people, it would be <laughs> such a, it would be amazing, right? Like the world would uh, really, I yeah. mean, it would, it would change everything almost overnight just to have half the people exercise good discernment, love, and a sense of harmony again. I remember when it was like that, you know, and so do you. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you think is the answer for people that, don't realize because I know that you know emotions can impact your physical health as well um, so I was hoping maybe you could touch on that because whether people know it or not they're probably hurting themselves with some of those negative emotions right I think any emotion that we are afraid to express can can certainly um, hurt us and any emotion that we're expressing in a an unresourceful way um, can also cause damage not only to ourselves but to our relationships um, and when our relationships are damaged we're causing um, harm to ourselves anyway um, and look you know I guess a lot of this is is just my my take on things um, mm -hmm. from the point of view where I come from um, I, I actually think that so many of the issues have no clear right and wrong there is a hell of a lot of gray I think there is a lot more gray in this world and color than this black and white way that we seem to be operating at the moment. And when we, you know, throw words like pro and anti at things, we are immediately creating a yes, no, right, wrong, black, white, you, me. We're creating separation and it creates a wider and wider gap. Whereas when we are able to sit down with love and respect for the God source in the other person, 
and we can look at them as another human being who has a different life experience, who has walked in different shoes, who has been raised with different, you know, compasses guiding them. We can talk about things without losing respect for the other person and without showing disrespect for ourselves. And I think the nuance is where people are lost because we haven't been able to practice that. And I think social media is a huge part of this because in 140 characters or whatever it is these days, um, you can't you can't have a nuanced conversation. Right. And and people are so now used to hiding behind their screens, behind their keyboards, and talking to people that they do not know in a way that they wouldn't if they were face to face. People are getting away with it a lot more, yeah. and and they're able to say things that that they would never say to another human being. And the vitriol often comes from this idea because you get siloed, and the algorithms tell you you get siloed into these echo chambers of people who agree with your point of view. And so you're often not getting people from an opposing point of view to have a conversation with because you're being siloed into these echo chambers. And so you think that the only point of view is yours. And you're having that echoed back to you. And so then you're going to double down on your rightness in it. And so when somebody disagrees, you're like, well, hang on a minute, this is new. I don't know how to deal with this. And then we're going back and we're picking up our childhood toolbox from our pre-programmed brain into this you versus me, I'm an individual, we don't have any form of connection. And, and we're trying to solve big world adult problems with childhood tools of reaction and, and unresourcefulness. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then uh, on top of all that, concentrated narcissism. <laughs> social, the social media is what that is. I think a lot of people also um, are now so into this, this personality politics where they will look at the person and not the, not the depth behind it. Right. Um, and, I, you know, they get polarized because, you know, I don't like Trump or I don't like Biden or I don't like whoever it is else there is around you know the traps and they get so into who that person is and what that personality is but an interesting quote that um or an interesting conversation that i had a number of years back um just before Mm -hmm. my 40th birthday Mm -hmm. um i i I used to joke that my um (laughs) that my separation money um was my long service leave um, basically, my, my redundancy payment for, for service served, wow. and with that, I took I took my children to Africa, which was always a dream of mine. Cool. And just before, just after we booked the trip, and you know, because I literally got the payout, and we were there within about eight weeks, so I didn't exactly muck about with it, but I was desperate to go before um, before I turned forty, and whilst the kids were on school holidays, and all of those sorts of things. Um, In that time between booking and going, uh, Mugabe was thrown out of Zimbabwe and it became a red zone for for travel because there was so much instability in the country. Now, we were travelling to some pretty safe areas, um, Huangi and Victoria Falls, so they're not too far from each other. One's um, like a safari park kind of area, Um, and then Victoria Falls is, is 
you know, a big tourist area, so they were going to protect that anyway. So we got the green light to go. But as I was talking to one of the drivers, he said to me, I said, you know, how's the feeling on the ground with this big change? And he went, you know what, it's the same train, different driver. It doesn't matter who's in and who's the head of it, it's the same train. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense because if we think about, you know, government, they're changing every three or four years. Yet we have employees in the government and, and in all countries in the world who are lifelong politicians who have been in Parliament for a very, very long time. Now, you don't think the guy who's in charge for a couple of years is running the whole show, really. It's all of the people in the other departments that are supporting him and the people who've been there a long time. So even though the head guy is changing and some policies may get through because, you know, they have a majority in one house or the other, a lot of stuff is institutionalised. Yep. And so yep. we really come in, rather than talking about the issues, we are talking about, um, you know, the personality of the person who's there. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so we're not going deep enough. Yeah. And speaking of which, um, how do you, uh, how do these feelings and negative emotions affect your health? Oh my goodness. Well, um, chronic fatigue's a good one. You know, that's the one I experienced. Yeah. Um, thyroid issues. Um, thyroid issues is a really big one. Diabetes, I mean, pretty much almost any physical condition has emotional components to it. It has stress-based components to it. It has spiritual dis-ease attached to it. It has mental dis-ease attached to it. So I think there is that bit of understanding that everything we do affects us on some level. Quantum physicists, and I love this fact, it just highlights so much for me. Quantum physicists have proven that the universe is 4% physical matter. So when we're thinking about that for the body, this physical meat suit that we're in, this thing that we consider, uh, you know, the eye of who we are, is 4% of the picture. So what's the other 96%? It's our mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, transformational, metaphysical, hormonal, financial health. Um, I don't know if I repeated one there, but you know, it's all these different parts of us, all these different aspects of us. And so often we focus on one or two aspects. So these negative emotions, if we're not expressing them in healthy ways, because emotions are just signposts of what we're thinking and what our belief systems are, what's going on in the subconscious, what we're not processing, what we're denying or repressing or suppressing. And so those bits of the emotional resonance stay in the body and cause disharmony. And, you know, even thinking about, say, having your gallbladder removed, a gallbladder is all about judgment. Judgment of self, judgment of others, um, and processing that judgment. It's also a lot about self-righteousness. And in a lot of people with gallbladder issues, if you delve into it, there is a lot of those issues sitting there. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. So they can, well, I mean, people have a choice, clearly, but uh, whether they know it or not, they might actually be hurting themselves. So you've got to keep yeah. healthy thoughts. And that's part of spirituality anyway, <laughs> you know, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, that's just, you know, <laughs> if you're a spiritual person, you're probably not going to be an asshole, you know, hopefully. I mean, well, I don't... my idea is to be less of an asshole today than I was yesterday. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, me too. But you know, they, that's they, my... 
But they keep calling me by that name. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding.、Um, so we're like I told you, this time goes by so fast. But I want to talk about you have、um, more than enough to talk about for another episode that I would love to share. But I want to make sure. Oh, I'd be happy. Oh yeah, me too. And、uh, I would very much like to share what you have to offer.、Uh, one of the great values of this experience is to. Interact with folks like yourself that actually have something to give to the world or sell, and to、um, enable people to make change in their own life. Can you talk a little bit about that? It's a book that you have. Is that correct? Yeah. So、um, I have been a kinesiologist myself. So six months after my first session with a kinesiologist, I started studying it to become one. So I work with people online.、Um, I've got clients in Vietnam, in New Zealand. Um, wow. In all sorts of different parts of Australia,、um, <clears throat> I haven't had a US one yet, but you know we're working on it.、Hey. And I also do coaching, so I do transformational life coaching.、Um, I tend to use a bit of an archetypal model, but I also bring in all the other study that I've done. So it's a little bit ad hoc, and it's quite hard to, I guess, pinpoint exactly what I do because there's so much of the. Intuition and a broad range of study that I guess comes into it, as well as life experience and wisdom.、Um, but I wrote my book at the end of last year, so it was swimming around in my brain for about five years in one guise or another.、Um, and when I created the container to start writing it, it was 120 days from writing my first words to actually holding it in my hand. So it、wow. ended up being a very fast process. That's amazing.、Um, yeah, so I was.、Um, I was working with a、uh, working title,、um, but I didn't necessarily want to market it under that title because I was afraid it would take away from the content of the book. So the book is actually called Divine Messy Human. <clears throat> I really, I always talk about how messily human we are, and so I was just originally going to call it Messy Human.、Mm-hmm. But I needed the nod to the divine because we all have that God source in us. And it's such a vital part of who all of us are—is that divinity and that messiness.、Um, and the subtitle is a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. So it really is about、oh. tuning us in to that internal voice, to that internal truth, and and using the external、um, less as a god <laughs> and a direction and a truth. Because the external is often noisy and opinionated and has its own agenda, and when we are following that internal compass, we really do end up living a more enriched, fulfilling, vibrant, healthy, loving life. Because we're we're actually listening to our soul frail, we're listening to our our soul's calling and our purpose of being here, rather than listening to what everyone else is telling us that they think we should do.、Um, and a bit of a funny story. We've got a couple of minutes left. Oh yes, you don't well, absolutely. Go right ahead. <laughs> so. Um, am I allowed to? I, I did mention to you before we started recording. Am I allowed to mention、uh, the、oh, story that gave yes, yes, the work title? Yes, yes. <laughs> This,、uh, honestly, I think you've got two really viable paths based on that. So yes, please share the story. <laughs> no problem. So、uh, all we're gonna I, all we're gonna do is say there's just one dirty word in here, people, but no big deal.、Yes. Just 
deal with it. <laughs> it's just a word. And you can choose to be offended or you can choose to have a laugh, one or the other. Sure. Um, and probably or, a few other choices in between. But, or, you know. you, or you could buy it for a friend. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the working title is Don't Let That Cunt Steal Your Bricks. <laughs> and a bit of a funny story about it, and it's actually one of the stories in the book, is there was a night that um, I had an incident occur. I was heading to a woman's circle. So before I did, I had someone be quite um, violent towards me. And I ended up at the police station and they told me I was in a domestic violence situation and that I should be getting an intervention order and all of this kind of stuff. So I was pretty shocked because I hadn't realised that that was the case. Wow. Um, so I hadn't realised that it was domestic violence. I just thought, you know, I was I was with someone and we had a toxic relationship. Um, so it really sort of hit home. I was quite traumatised. But I continued on to this women's circle, and I don't, I don't, I can't really remember because I was in such a, a state exactly what unfolded. But you know, you go around the circle and you introduce yourselves and why are you here. I can't remember if I choked something out or if I just stayed silent and passed it to the next person. But later in that circle, she, the facilitator, got us all, you know, laying down, and we went through this meditation, and it was the usual, you know, bulk standard. You're going through the garden and you find this little sanctuary and, you know, you create this beautiful environment for yourself. And within the sanctuary, you then invite your inner wise person to come in and speak to you. And my inner wise person came in and wrapped themselves around me energetically. And so I felt this big warm hug and she said, okay, so get your message from your inner wise person. And my inner wise person said, you know what, you've been doing really good work. You are making beautiful headway. You are building really strong foundations for your future and your life. You're almost ready to start building up. Just don't let that come to steal your bricks. Right on. And I'm in this traumatic state and I just wanted to absolutely wet my pants laughing. (laughs) And of course, I'm conscious that everybody else is in the meditation, probably getting a serious message. And I was relatively new to meditation. So I also had this thing of, you know, oh, is that really my inner wise person? As soon as they said the C word, I was like, yeah, that's my inner wise person. I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) I can't argue with that. Good. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so it was was quite funny. Um, And so as a result, that was... And we we all have those people in our lives who have tried to steal the bricks that we're trying to build a a happy, healthy, vibrant life with. There are people who sometimes do it through, you know, their sense of love and their sense of duty and their sense of responsibility to us. Sometimes it's people who have don't have our best interest at heart. Sometimes it's just damaged people who, you know, want to shed their opinion on it. And this is part of that external influence that I talk about is is that we really need to learn how to tune those down so that we can tune into our own internal truth. Absolutely. And when you do that, doesn't that turn up things like intuition and awareness, Mm -hmm. discernment, things like that that are really important in life, right? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. My... My intuition has gone through the roof and I actually run intuitive wisdom circles where I do a mix of coaching and intuitive work um, with people. I teach them how to, you know, use different tools and skills so that they can build on their intuition. And um, yeah, it's really good fun, actually. Really good fun. That sounds awesome. Very cool. Um, We're Mm. just 
just about where we need to be. And I wanted to yeah. ask you, is there anything that we might have missed or anything that you might like to share that you feel might be important to the listeners today? I think it is just being a bit more kind to yourself mm-hmm. because we often are our own worst critics. Um, I know all the times that I have allowed myself to be in abusive relationships, whether they be friendships or romantic relationships or other relationships. It's actually been because I have been my own biggest abuser. I have thought I have deserved nothing better than what I'm getting. And the kinder we are and the more we can recognize our internal self-talk and we can start cleaning that up, that is actually the first start, recognizing how we speak to ourselves. And when you say clean it up, you mean to make it more loving and more accepting, more in alignment with, you know, this thing that we call, you know, uh, God, I guess. Yeah. Is that fair? The things we say in our head to ourselves, we would not dare say to somebody that we loved. We would not dare say to our best friend. We would not dare say to our children. We are so nasty to ourselves in our head. And the the best way that I get people to check how their self-talk is, is if you're happy to walk outside with a megaphone on your head expressing all of the thoughts that you have about yourself, then (laughs) if you're happy to do that, then your self-talk is amazing. But I most want, people. But, but I want I want proof. Yeah, I want proof. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah, I understand so that. So if we yeah. can if we can sit and, and listen to what we're saying to ourselves and bring it back in a little bit more to what is more loving, what is more kind. What would we say to our best friend if they were saying that stuff about themselves? You know, when I used to tell myself I was fat and ugly and stupid and all of that. Now if I said that to you know somebody who's my best friend they'd look at me and they go hun why are you feeling that way you know what 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 do you need to make you feel better what is actually true about yourself because you know none of that stuff's true mm-hmm. they would they would be compassionate they would be understanding they would be kind they would be forgiving and we need to turn some of that on ourselves because we can do it for other people mm-hmm. we can be empathic for other people yeah. But we often miss the boat when it comes to ourselves. But it really makes it a lot more powerful when you have self-love. Like, uh, it's a different dynamic altogether, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I know what it's like to have empathy. There's no question there. And, um, you know, I wonder sometimes, I guess it's uh, different types of things for different people. But, you know, there's different... We can't even go here. But I was just thinking of, like, codependence and... You know, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned being in an unhealthy, toxic relationship, and you know, a lot of that. I think uh, when people really sit down and rationalize it out, you know, it comes down to each person's contribution. And you know, if you're committed to a family, for example, your contribution doesn't ever change. Like you're going to see that through until the end. That's just the way it works, right? Like that's. Mm the way it's supposed to be anyway. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, whoever's keeping track of the divorce rates haven't figured that out, you know, but a lot of people getting divorced out there. But yeah, I think that it's one of those things and I, I really appreciate the fact that you bring it all home in an easy to understand way, you know, it's based on your spiritual, you know, uh, your spiritual muscles, let's say, you know, uh, if you're working on those and being a good person, um, that's, you're farther ahead than most people, in my opinion, anyway. 
Yeah, look, I think I think it just helps you. Um, you know, when the shit hits the fan, if you've been developing that anchor to something bigger than yourself, you you don't get as as caught up in the tumultuousness of it. You even when everything is going to hell around you, there is still this sense within you that okay, I've got this. You know, I trust myself to get myself through this. And that's probably been the biggest thing in my life. Um, but yeah, cool. maybe maybe codependence can be our next one. <laughs> Definitely. Oh boy, yeah, we could talk forever. I've got my own stories about that. <laughs> that was the, the first time I ever saw a counselor was in college, and it was for that actually. And I didn't yeah. know it. I had no idea. I was like, why do I? You know, what what I wanted to know at the time was why do I have to have a girlfriend one after the other? Like I was. You know, not a serial dater or anything. It was a small town in college, but you know, I yeah. always had a girlfriend. It was like one girlfriend, and then when we broke up after however long, then there was another one, like within a week or two, and you know, it yeah. was crazy. And I didn't understand that, and so he helped me see that I was codependent, and so I started working on that, and it was a great lesson actually early in life. And I'm glad I saw yeah. that, you know, because I was hooked, man. <laughs> oh, it's so easy, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, happens. <laughs> yeah, love is a beautiful thing, but the beauty of love is that we each carry it within us, and that's uh, one of the things I think I got the most out of our interaction today is that we each carry love and a sense of divinity in ourselves, and mm. uh, if we turn to, if we try to turn that on more, we can actually be a brighter light in the world and. Have a greater impact and be a more positive influence and have healthier relationships, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. So, tell me, how does someone find you? It sounds like you're the kind of person that gets around digitally, so it doesn't matter. If, <laughs> you know, they're on another. I do my best. If they're on a continent, if they're on a boat, it doesn't make a difference. If they've got an internet connection, they can connect with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, um, I actually had somebody in um, rural Australia as a client and they didn't have internet or reliable internet enough for um, video. So we just did all of it over the phone. Cool. Um, so, yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Um, it, the beauty of energy is it's the same way as, you know, tuning into a radio station or whatever. We can easily tune into into one another. You know, the same we've done today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have the video. We've just got audio and, and yet we're still connecting because we're tuned into each other's individual radio station. Totally. Um, so it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's what I love about the energy work. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm at... Um, I'm online at www.amandakate.com.au, so there is the .au at the end. Um, I am on Facebook, Amanda Kate Transformation. I've got a YouTube channel. I am on Insta at Amanda underscore underscore Kate. There's a lot of Amanda Kates out there. Um, and, And I'm on TikTok at Divinely Messy. Very cool, very cool. And uh, do you share parts of your book on TikTok? Um, I I just share bits that are coming through my head at the moment, but yes, that is one of my plans to start actually doing a little bit more of bits of the book on there. So, Very yeah. cool. Very cool. I'm sure people awesome. will really enjoy that, and I hope that people will reach out to you and see what might be possible. It sounds like kinesiology is a very interesting um, accompaniment even to traditional medicine 
it's not yeah. it's not exclusive. It sounds like it's something,、mm. if thought out correctly, can work with medicine. In a、oh, absolutely. Right, and there's a way to do that. So, you know,、yep. uh, somebody wants to know about that, they should get a hold of you, Amanda Cape. Yeah, definitely. Right on. And I just want to tell you how much it means to me to have you here today, and it's been a joy speaking with you. And I always wish we had more time. It goes too fast, and、um, I hate that part. But let's do this again. <laughs> there's so、oh, much to explore. To. Me too. And there's so much more to explore. I'd really enjoy doing that with you. Wonderful, yeah, absolutely. We'll set up a time, and thank you so so much for bringing your work into the world, and、uh, and yeah, sharing bits of yourself as well. My pleasure. Yeah, I definitely like to be authentic and transparent.、Um, <laughs> let me just tell you, I really appreciate your time again, and your expertise, honestly, in the subject area is very insightful and fascinating. And I look forward to speaking with you again. And I hope that people、okay. listening now will reach out once again. Just、uh, repeat your web address one more time, so they'll have it. Yeah, it's www.amandakate.com.au. Perfect, and the AU's for Australia.、It、awesome,、is. beautiful, Amanda. I look forward to speaking with you again, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also, check out toddcastshow.com. To find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira, be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show, so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part—it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. 
simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.